Hey, it's a delight for us today to have, for the very first time, to see through Powerhouse, Andrew Denton. Uh, Andrew has an inspiring story, which I'm sure he's going to share uh, parts of today. He's, got, he's written a book, which will be available for sale in the foyer afterwards. But I, a couple of the, the board, I heard of this book. Uh, I heard of what he did. I got a couple of our guys to read it uh, on our board, and they just said, this is a brilliant book. It captures the spirit and heart of what we're all about in, a, in an exemplary way. So I read it, and I gave it to a few people, and thought, we've just got to get him to come and share with us today. So he, he literally... Uh, went from being a plumber to a property developer. I'm sure he'll tell some of the stories and has traveled around the world for the last eight years, inspiring Christians, uh, particularly from Hillsong initially, because he's, he's based out of Hillsong Global and is their kingdom builders, uh, been their director for many years. So around the world and now into many other churches beyond Hillsong, encouraging people with biblical truth about being all in for God and what God can do for people who go all in. So Andrew's already shared uh, with some of our church over the weekend, what we call our vision investors, people who feel the, the call of God and the gift of giving in their life. It was, it was inspiring. He's met with different people yesterday. He's got a very high work capacity. And it's a delight, Andrew, to have you here with us today. Thank you for giving up your time to come and invest into our church. Church, can we stand on our feet, even at home, watching wherever you are? Come on, just get up. Get expectant to hear from God as we welcome Andrew Denton. Hey, good morning, C3. Please be seated. So good to be with you today. And also Melbourne East and online. I'm glad you've got an online church. Everyone has an online church now. <laughs> um, I want to say a special hello to your pastors down there. Dan and Ebony, and obviously Josh and Shekinah here on the Sunshine Coast. I obviously want to really thank Pastor John and Danielle for giving me the honour, and I mean that, the honour to be able to speak across the links today, across your campuses. You know, I never take it lightly, the responsibility that it is to stand on another man's platform and, and speak to his people, and uh, so thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Who knows you have awesome senior pastors? Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Hey, let's pray, huh? Father, I thank you for the opportunity I have this morning to speak to your people. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will speak through me. And Holy Spirit, I pray you touch hearts and lives today that leave here changed. All the better for you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Band's awesome. Yeah. You, can, you can sit down if you want to. <laughs> I'm not going to sing. <laughs> you don't want me to sing. I'm going to get a couple of ground rules out really early, okay, guys? I'm not a pastor, okay? I'm not a pastor. I love pastors. I just don't want to be one, all right? 99% uh, of the time in my church, I sit in that seat down there uh, like you do. Why is that? I am you, okay? I'm just you. I'm a businessman, and... Um, I would probably rather fit more comfortable sitting down the seat there than with these bright lights in my eyes. So why do I have the microphone? See, I know who I am, and I know my purpose. I'm a kingdom builder, and my purpose in life is to finance the kingdom. And so, you know, over the, as Pastor said, over the last eight years, I've, I've literally travelled the world, probably spent 70% of my time in a plane somewhere, travelling the world, 
just helping churches launch their kingdom builders and, and just a raising up that next generation of givers across the planet. And uh, obviously that stopped through, through COVID. <laughs> um, I haven't minded that, to be truthful. It's actually been nice to be home. Um, I mean, it did give me the opportunity to write my book. And so I will encourage you to read the book. But that's not what I'm here for you to read the book. You know, um, I've been part of Hillsong for 30 years. And in 30 years, we've, we've seen a lot. Um, my wife and I have been married 36 years. Same woman. Uh, it's important. Um, we have three adult uh, married children, three grandchildren, one more on the way. And um, I, I love being a grandfather. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. But this is, this is who I am today, and this is what I do, and I love to, I love to inspire and encourage people across the globe. But I've got to tell you, it's really pretty good to sit in front of an Aussie accent, Aussie audience who understands my accent, you know. <laughs> I don't know if anybody here ever read Pastor Brian's document that was called The Church I See. Hillsong's vision. He wrote that in 1993, and you may or may not know, but Hillsong didn't look like it looked today. Uh, we were one church, one church was 10 years old, we were one campus in the northwest suburbs of Sydney, and we didn't own a building. We didn't own a building. And uh, the document that he wrote was ridiculous. It was impossible looking, it was crazy. But obviously our church has more than surpassed that. And then in 2014, he rewrote it and called the church I now see. It's an equally audacious, ridiculous looking document. <laughs> but I have all faith that we're gonna see it come to fruition because of what I've seen in the 30 years that I've been part of that church. And, and you know, so here we were, still only 25 years ago, one campus in the whole of the world and now today we're in 30 countries and uh, I think we're in 38 locations in Australia, more than 150 locations across the world, 300 odd services a weekend and it's pretty cool. But can I tell you the single biggest reason that our church went from one campus to global it was because of what we call heart for the house offering, but what you guys call your vision builders offering. And that the part that the vision investors play in that is a huge, it's absolutely huge. Now, if you know anything about your church finances, your weekly tithes and offerings is what's paying for these bright lights to be in my eyes, <laughs> and paying the rent in this facility, hopefully paying your pastors and staff salaries. But it's the day-to-day, week-to-week, you know, of your running of your church. It's not what buys you land. It's not what builds your buildings. It's not what opens campuses across your city, across your state, across your country, across the world. That's the over and above. And so, you know, I, I want to just tell you that this, this vision building offering you've got coming up this next week is so, so important to the, to the life of C3 Powerhouse. And, and uh, I'm excited for it. I'm really excited for it. It was awesome to see that, that vision. I've watched it on Friday night and to watch it again today. Um, who knows you have a pastor with a big vision? Yeah. And that is just so, so, so important. Right. 
So, I didn't always look this good. <laughs> I wasn't always an elder at Hillsong Church, far from it. In fact, I grew up the son of a Pentecostal pastor who was also the son of a Pentecostal pastor, which is the real reason why I'm not a pastor. <laughs> Especially before I love pastors, I just don't want to be one. And uh, it's great being here in the Sunshine Coast. I'm sure there's some surfers in the room. I grew up on the south coast of New South Wales, and from my front door to the ocean was two minutes. And um, I've been a surfer since I was 11 years old. I still surf. May not look like it, but I still surf a lot. I love to surf. And I used to surf before school, after school, during school. <laughs> A lot during school. So much so that school and I came to an arrangement and I left. Yep, you're looking at a high school dropout. I didn't finish school. I don't have a certificate. And I was 15 years old and um, I knew I had to get a job. Certainly my, my mother told me I had to get a job. And you know what, growing up in a Pentecostal family, you know, uh, in the 60s and 70s, Jesus was coming next week anyway, so um, <laughs> we were never taught to look to the future. And um, <laughs> so I had no clue what I wanted to do for a living. And I went to a careers night and I thought, well, I'll just find out which apprenticeship pays the most. And I walked around the room and I worked out that a plumbing apprenticeship was the one to do. So I applied for three jobs in the night and then went on a six-week surfing trip with my mates. <laughs> Obviously a long time before mobile phones, so my mother didn't hear from me for six weeks. I rang her on the Monday and said, I'll be home tomorrow. She says, fantastic, Andrew. You actually got a job while you're away. You start Wednesday. Now, I'm 56 years old. That was when I was 15. I think I've been out of work two days my entire life. But there wasn't a lot of thought went into my career, was there? Like none. None at all. When I was 16, only one year later, I met my now wife. I have a stunning wife. You might meet her one day. She's a Kiwi. Some Kiwis in the room? There's always Kiwis in the room. <laughs> we love the Kiwis. We just don't like the All Blacks. <laughs> it's good being a New South Welshman this week in Queensland. <laughs> But you know, my wife came from a very different background to me. She came from a business person's background and he's, he's, he's this young 15-year-old guy, I'm 16-year-old guy, I'm chasing this pretty blonde. And here's the first question she asked me. She says, Andrew, what's your five-year plan? <laughs> I said, what's a five-year plan? <laughs> you know, that's the third of my life at that point, remember? She says, you know, what are your dreams? What are your goals? What are your desires? You know, and I'm like, uh, um, uh, uh, I'd like a hot car, you know. I had no clue. I mean, for me, the first I thought was Saturday. I could surf longer on Saturdays. And um, I had no clue. So my girlfriend had a fair bit of work to do for me. But I tell you now, by age 18, I, I bought my first house in Sydney. By 20, we were married. 21, I was a father. By 26, we had all three kids. And I was very, very quickly on the grind. There's a few more grey hairs in the room here. If you remember, this is the 19, early, mid-1980s, and we were paying 18% on our mortgages, people. 18% young people. You know the mortgage you're paying now, those little ones? 
And of course, we were down to me being the uh, breadwinner because my wife was off having babies. And it was tough. And I was working a full-time job in two other businesses. And I worked from 6.30 in the morning till 10.30 at night. And I did that six days a week, sometimes seven. I did it for 10 years straight. My life was so out of balance, it wasn't funny. It wasn't funny. Now remember, I've been a Christian all my life. And at this point in time, I'm actually at Hillsong Church. It's called Hills Christian Life Center then. But I still went to church every Sunday. I go to church every Sunday my entire life. And I was fully surrendered to God for 15 minutes during the praise and worship. <laughs> fully surrendered to God. You've heard Hillsong worship. It's pretty cool. Why wouldn't you be, you know? 15 minutes. But Monday to Saturday, I was doing my own thing. And I remember coming home one day from work to put some fuel in my body before I went back out to work. And my wife made a ridiculous statement. She says, Andrew, you do realize, don't you, that I'm a single mother with three kids? I said, that's not fair, you know? I said, you're married to me, of course you're not a single mother. She said, doesn't change the fact. I'm a single mother with three kids. You know, men, I'm not, not liking that. And I said, you know, hey, I'm, uh, I'm doing it for the family. She says, family, have you realized, Andrew, we haven't had a holiday in over eight years? At that point, boys, I knew I'd lost the argument. <laughs> I did what you probably would do too. I walked out the door, closed the door, got on my truck and drove down the road. But I don't mind admitting, I got maybe three kilometers down the road, I pulled over and I cried like a baby. I said, Andrew, what are you doing? You've got a beautiful wife, three great kids, and you're throwing it all away. Throwing it all away. See, I knew, I knew enough of the Bible. I'd read the Bible from front to back before I was 10. You know, as a son of a Pentecostal minister, you weren't allowed to have a TV, they were evil. So, you know, um, <laughs> I've always been an insatiable reader. So I'd, I'd read the Bible many times. I knew every promise in the Bible, I really did. I could believe the promise for the pastor, the professional Christian, but not for me, the plumber. Not for me, the dirty plumber. But I remember reading, I remember reading about in Matthew 7, asking, seeking, and knocking. Because he was the principal. I, I, I realized that I needed to find my purpose. I'd been living on Andrew's purpose for so long, and I was failing badly, and I needed to find my purpose. It's so asking, seeking, and knocking. I tell you, I ask, seek, and knock like I've never done before. Can I tell you, you've never been actually on your knees crying ugly tears to God? You haven't asked hard enough yet? And I asked really hard for three lousy weeks. Just three weeks. And God answered me on the fourth weekend. Let me give you an understanding of where my church is at that time, where my pastor is at that time. We're now 14 years as a church. We're at that point, we're the largest church in Australia, and we still didn't own a building. Pastor Brian's getting pretty frustrated. And he's praying prayers like this. Hey, God, why don't you send me some multimillionaires, please, so that we can uh, build, a, build a church? And God shot back at him real fast. No, no, why don't you raise them up? And he's like, I'm a pastor. What do I know about raising up millionaires? But God gave him a word. And he spoke that word on that fourth weekend of my praying for three weeks. It happened to be at Hillsong's one and only ever men's camp. I don't know whether you have any men's camps, Pastor John, but we had our one. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we ticked that box. But it was a momentous men's camp 
for this reason. Pastor Brian preached a message on, you know, the, the part in the Bible where the centurion comes to Jesus and asks him to heal his servant. We all know that's a famous story. And Jesus is like, sure, let's go heal your servant. And the centurion's like, oh, hold on, hold on. Firstly, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. But secondly, Jesus, you don't need to come. You just say the word and my servant will be healed. You know, the Bible talks about that Jesus was amazed at this man's faith. Jesus doesn't get amazed at people's faith very often. He was amazed at this man's faith. But the centurion said, faith, it's nothing to do with faith. This is just authority. I'm a man under authority, but I'm a man of authority. I say to this guy, come, he comes. This guy, go, he goes. This guy, do that. He does it. Aren't you the same, Jesus? Just say the word and my servant will be healed. Pastor Brian's looking at that and he says, guys, you know what? As your senior pastor, I've worked out what I need. Remember he's at a men's camp? He says, I'm looking for 100 guys, 100 men who'll do whatever is required, not as robots, but as willing participants for the cause of Christ. Now, I was sitting on the front row that day, not because I was anything special. Trust me, I was far from special. Why was I sitting on the front row? I needed to hear from God. I needed to hear from God. And my heart was beating. I'm like, wow. Oh, okay, this, is, this, this sounds like me. This sounds like me. And the next breath, he said, and the first thing that this group's going to do, this is in 1996, a long time ago, he says, we're going to raise a million dollars over and above tithes and offerings. I sort of gulped at that point. <laughs> but I thought, you know what? This is me. This is me. And I walked up to Pastor Brian afterwards and I shoved my hand out and I said, I'm in. And I'm sure he looked at me and thought, that's nice, Andrew. <laughs> Remember, my life is a mess at this point. But I got a few men around him. We prayed for Pastor Brian. That's how Kingdom Builders started in Australia 25 years ago. From that small beginning is what took our church global. And I, I, all I know is that, um, you know, I, I uh, had to go home and explain my epiphany to my wife. <laughs> but fortunately for me, I'm married to a woman who was just waiting for me to catch up. So um, she was on board real quick. But what did it really mean? What did it really mean? See, I could speak Christianese with the best of them. I could talk about taking a faith step, but I always had two and three backup plans that relied on Andrew. I had to get to a point where I had to take a faith step that was spelled R-I-S-K. That was a real faith step that required God to turn up. For me, that meant I, had, I quit one of my businesses and I changed a whole lot of things, took my family on a holiday finally, did a whole lot of things differently that year, worked a third less, and yet we made more money. It, it blew my mind. But God, God had turned up and it was just a, it was a crazy thing. And I know, I hope you're taking notes today, sunny coast and Melbourne East. But for me, we came to a point in our life and we said this, number one, I was either going to trust God or not. Are you going to trust God or not? I mean that. Number two, are you going to believe God's promises are for us or not? See, I could believe them for the pastor, as I said earlier, but I just couldn't believe them for me. I had to make a decision. Am I going to believe God's promises are for us? Number three, this is a big one. I had to believe that Jesus defeated the devil on the cross or not. You know, if you believe that, and I hope I'm in a room full of people who actually believe that, you know you should never be fearful of another thing. Big statement, but it's the truth. And the fourth thing, I said, you know what? 
we're going to go all in or we're all out. <laughs> I actually remember saying to my wife these very words, babe, we're going to go all in for 12 months. <laughs> and if it doesn't work, we're all out. I'm out. I'm all out. 25 years later, guys, I'm still here. I'm still here. So you can't tell me that we don't serve a trustworthy God. Because I've experienced it, I've seen it. And what I do know is that for the first time in my life, age 31, I was the closest to God I'd ever been. See, when you're taking a real faith step, it's only ever going to drive you closer to God. Only ever going to drive you closer to God. And if you thought that this... This group of people, the vision investors in your church there, that it's all about the money. Can I tell you, it's definitely not about the money. It's not about the money. It's always been about a group of people who've just decided to have a bigger, better, stronger relationship with Jesus. When we do that, he's able to guide us so much easier. You know, there's a, the world out there, the world out here on the, on the sunny coast, world out there in Melbourne, online, they're looking for the secret to success, aren't they? They're looking for what is that one magic bullet? What's that one thing that I can do that's going to give me success? I believe as Christians, we've already got it. I think it's found in Matthew 6, verse 33. It's my favorite scripture. How does it start? But, but, we'll come back to that one. But seek first, not second, not third, first his kingdom and his righteousness and all, not some, not a few, not the occasional, all these things will be given to you as well. See, the secret to success is just putting God first. It's putting God first in every area of your life. You know, listening to the Holy Spirit clearer, having your spiritual antenna on high alert. Let me just talk to the men for a second. You know, men, we're one-dimensional animals, aren't we? We're very good at doing one thing at one point in time. Ladies, don't ask us to do two. We're in trouble, okay? So for us to hear from the Holy Spirit, we've got to really concentrate now, you ladies, you can do four and five things at once, six or eight sometimes, and hear from the Holy Spirit. I, I really believe that, that women's intuition is just the hearing from the Holy Spirit clearer. So, men, I want to give you a tip from someone who's been married 36 years. Listen to your wife. All right? Listen to your wife. See, I came to, I came to realize this. Success isn't about money, because I realized what was the point of me becoming a millionaire? My wife hated me. What was the point of me becoming a millionaire and I was estranged from my kids or I was so sick and unwell I couldn't do anything about it? No, God wants to see you succeed in all areas of your life. And I don't know about the Bible here or in Melbourne, whether there's any fine print underneath the Bible, but in Sydney, all means all. All. And what does all cover? If you look at the preceding verses in 31, 32, it says, don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, those out in the world, they run after all those things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. God knows you need those things. God knows you need those things. God's got no problem with you having things, which is good. You know, I like things. I don't know you. You like the, I like things. He's got no problem with you having things. He's just got a problem if the things have you. So my advice is put God first, not second, first. And so when it comes to our finances as being part of the all, well, it's just a byproduct 
of being blessed. So, Vision Investors isn't about the money. Online church, write this down. Vision Investors are three things. Number one, they put God first in every area of their lives. Number two, they believe in the vision of C3 Powerhouse. That's, that's so key. That's so key. It's your pastor's main role is to provide that vision. And you've got a pastor that does that. Number three, this is a great one. They have their pastors back. Okay? I decided many years ago I had my pastors back. And, and that includes your campus pastors too, wherever you're at. And number four, as a consequence of getting the first three right, see, I believe as vision investors, you should have strong marriages. I believe we should have great relationships with our children. I believe that we should be fit and healthy. It'd be quieter then, didn't it? I also believe, though, that our finances should be blessed. Well, that's my top four. What's yours? What's yours? See, you get to choose what's your all. You get to choose but you just got to make a decision to put God first. So my advice is do that and choose to live a generous lifestyle now, now. You know, I loved hearing the testimony this morning of this couple just putting $100 extra a month and right now what they can do. Because I know that when you, can, when you choose to be generous when you have a little, trust me, then you'll be generous when you have a lot. But if you can't be generous when you have a little, you'll never be generous when you have a lot. Over the last 25 years, I've met a lot of people who said things like this to me. You know, Andrew, I'll become a vision investor when I get that promotion at work. Or I'm going to become a vision investor when my business gets to this level of turnover. Can, when it gets to that point, can I tell you? It's harder. So make a decision. Make a decision today. This is who you are. I know across this room, there'd be every sphere of life. One of the things we should never, ever do is compare ourselves to someone else. We, we have a saying, we talk about equal sacrifice, not equal giving. Yes. Yes. I remember many years ago speaking at our, our Greater West Campus in Sydney, and it's more a lower socioeconomic area, and at the end of the message, a, a young man walked down the, down the hall towards me. He's covered in tattoos from head to toe, and he's a rough-looking diamond. And I recognised him from Teen Challenge. I happened to sit on the board of Teen Challenge in New South Wales, and so this guy's an ex-drug addict, and he, he walks up to me, he shoves his hand out and he says, Andrew, I'm in. He said, I've worked out, if I just give up coffee, I'm halfway there. And I said, right answer, Justin. See, he's looking for a reason why he could do it, not for a reason why he can't do it. And you think as an ex-addict, the only thing he had left was coffee. Right. Hey? What are you prepared to give up? <laughs> yeah, amazing. But I know for me, 25 years ago, for us to be a kingdom builder, the minimum was a $5,000 investment, and I could only believe for the minimum. <laughs> See, I thought, I thought that I was a generous man because I'd been a tither all my life. I just want to just nail that one for you. Tithing's not giving. Tithing's just bringing back to God what's already his. Giving starts on top of that. And so for us, 25 years ago, it was the first time that we had sacrificially given. And uh, as I said before, that whole year I'd done a whole lot of changing in my life and it came to our, our offering time and I had the check. Yeah, we used to have write checks in those days. And um, it had my fingerprints on it because it was pretty hard dropping it in the bucket. <laughs> but it was so awesome to actually have done it and, and to have taken that faith step and to have trusted God. Still today, the scariest thing I've ever done in my life because it was the first time. And, you know... Um, I remember saying to my wife straight away after that, 
hey, babe, that was awesome. You ready to do it? Let's go again next year. Fast forward 12 months later, we're, we're driving to church, and uh, we get to the church car park. Actually, we're driving to church. I remember saying to the kids in the car, because, you, know, you know, when you're sacrificing, your kids are sacrificing regardless, aren't they? They don't get a choice. And so you need to bring your kids on the journey. And I remember I said to the kids, you know, God, today mum and dad are writing the largest check of our lives, you know. Um, we're writing a $15,000 check. We trebled what we did last year. I think we we're driving a $10,000 car. It gives you an understanding. We were stretching. And I remember getting to the car, car park and all the kids ran out and just took off the children's church. We didn't scan them in those days. We're a lot better now. Um, but uh, I remember locking the car and thinking to myself, wow, this is just as scary as last year. Uh, in fact, this is just as exciting as last year. What I realized was the same faith as last year. The same faith that it took to give 5,000. Here we were only one year later writing a check for 15,000. Can I tell you, in a couple of years later, we wrote a check for 80,000. A couple of years after that, we wrote a check for 240,000. See, now I'm starting to realize, you know, this trust in God stuff works. <laughs> As I said before, you cannot tell me, you cannot tell me that we don't serve a trustworthy God. Because I know we do. But I can tell you that the first check, that first 5,000, was by far the hardest. The cool thing about that, Pastor, you'd be happy about this, was Hillsong finally built its first building, and my $5,000 went towards that building. And uh, I remember, um, yeah, it was awesome. We built a building, I'm telling you, it wasn't much, not much bigger than this, really, and uh, we thought we'd build a stadium, of course, and... Um, my wife and I stood in a long line to get there on the opening night and we got a seat in the nosebleed section at the back and we were so proud to be there because we'd given our $5,000, you know. And I remember on the night there was a prophecy. The prophecy said that Hillsong would see multiple million dollar gifts come in. Well, Sydney people can, can get excited when they need to too and it was a standing ovation and it went for a long time. I know it went for a long time because my wife and I had a conversation through it. And, and I remember I'm up there clapping everybody else and I'm looking around the room and thinking, wow, who's the crazy guy who's writing a million dollar check? That, that's, that's nuts, you know? And I'm still clapping away and my wife elbows me. And she says, hey, I hope that doesn't mean that some multimillionaire is going to get saved and write that check. And I remember saying to her, well, what's wrong with that? That works, doesn't it? <laughs> and she says, yeah, but wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it be better if it had been someone who, a couple who had trusted God, who'd taken the faith step, and, and they wrote the million dollar check. I'm still clapping, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that, that, that'd be awesome, that'd be awesome, babe, you know? Remember earlier I said, you ladies hear from the Holy Spirit. My wife definitely heard from the Holy Spirit that day. She had no clue she was talking about us, though. I definitely had no clue. But I can tell you, from the time we gave $5,000, only eight years later, with my brother in our business, we wrote that million-dollar check. Wow. And can I tell you, was it, was it scary? Yeah, you bet it was. Was it exciting? Absolutely. But I can tell you, it was exactly the same faith. Wow. Exactly the same faith. Wow. And I remember, um, I remember having that million-dollar check in my hand, and I'd never seen a million-dollar check. And I said, to, said to my brother, I said, Let's not drop that in the bucket in case they lose that sucker, you know. Um, <laughs> so we made an appointment to come and see the pastor. And I remember handing him the check and, and Pastor John, he, he looked me in the eye, Brian, and he says, I'm not going to treat you any different, Denton. And I said, good. 
I don't want to be treated any different. In fact, I made him promise not to tell anybody who'd given it. I said, no, not at all. Because sometime this weekend, some young couple's going to write a $5,000 check and it's going to take exactly the same faith. Exactly the same faith. Now, I know I make it sound like it was smooth sailing. Every year we just made more money and it just piled up in the corner and we thought we'd just give some away. <laughs> wow. I can tell you it was nothing like the truth. That, that, that eight years, hardest eight years of my life at that point. I thought the 10 years I'd worked my tail off was hard. But do I know this? My brother and I, we have a saying, when we're under attack, it means we're right on track. If you write nothing down today, Melbourne, just write that one down. When we're under attack, we're right on track. See, the devil hates, hates to see you succeed. And he will do everything he can to distract, disappoint, and contain you. You know his ultimate goal is to kill you. Sorry, I'm bringing it down here a bit, Pastor. But you know what he's found with Christians? It's far easier to just contain us. And what do I mean by that? You know, if you're not stretching, if you're not making a difference, if you're not taking ground, if you're not taking faith steps, then the devil doesn't need to disturb you. He wants you to be comfortable as possible in your little safe world. Can I tell you the scariest place for a Christian to be is comfortable? Right. Scariest place. And unfortunately, that's where a large proportion of Christians stay. Sunny Coast, I hope you're getting this. I don't know about you, but I want to live an exciting life. I want to, I want to live a life sitting on the edge of my seat life. I want to live a life that requires God to turn up. Who wants safe and boring people? You know, you have one chance at this life. One chance. Just letting you know, one chance. And what we need to do is we need to make it significant. It's not about success, it's about significance. You know, can I ask you to seriously consider to become a vision investor? Melbourne East Online, we need you guys. The world, we are seeing revival now. I have traveled the world. I've been to every Hillsong campus in 30 countries around the world and many more churches beside. We need a group of people to stand up, say to our pastors, John and Danielle, we believe in the vision of C3 Powerhouse Church. We've got your back. I'm all in for God. And this vision building's offering, we're in. Count me in. See, I, I, have, an, I have a saying. I say, it's the pastor who sets the vision, but it's the vision investors who set the pace. It's our job, people. It's our responsibility. We set the pace for how quick we're going to see this happen. I want to very quickly finish with, with a, another quick point. I actually like to call this group the unoffendables. I'm not sure whether that's English, but unoffendables. Can we go back to the story of the centurion and his men? You know, when he went into battle, did he ever look over his shoulder to see if his men were there? No. For the cause of Rome, they were just there. Had he offended some in the previous little while? No doubt, but they were there. Do you think in 30 years of being part of Hillsong Church, I haven't been offended? Of course I have, but I'm still there. Here's what happens. See, when you live, when you live offended, number one, you're a dream stealer. Number two, you're a relationship killer. And number three, you're a time waster. We ain't got time for that. Number, but when you live unoffended, you're a dream releaser, you're a relationship builder and a time creator. Our pastors need to know they have this group of people. So my challenge to you, C3 Powerhouse, and it doesn't matter which campus you're in, 
Are you going to remain comfortable and contained like I did for the first 31 years of your life? Or are you going to rip the lid off? Are you going to decide to trust God, believe in his word, believe the promises in the Bible are for you, decide to put God first in all areas of your life, take faith steps guided by the Holy Spirit, make wise choices, God promises you success. It's just your choice. It's just your choice. 25 years ago, my wife and I made that choice. I just know that there are people here today that need to make that choice. Can I ask everyone on all the campuses, if you bow your head and close your eyes, if you know, if you know that you've been lacking in your trust of God and believing in his word, you want to go all in for God, be one of the unoffendables, the core of the core, a vision investor, could I ask you to put up your hands so I know who I'm praying for? Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. Believing in online and Zoom, you're in the same Melbourne. That's fantastic. Thank you, God, for every man and woman who's decided to be counted as a vision investor today. I pray you bless them, give them the courage to trust you, believe your word is true. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor John.